Hey, 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 welcome back to Venus. I am Cherish. I am one half of Venus. I am back again with another episode this week. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, welcome back to Venus, your spiritual supplement, bringing you food for thought to enrich your aspects of your living experience. I feel like we should get a gong after that, you know, just a... But anyway, <laughs> and I feel like I want to kind of bulldoze through this episode firstly because my energy is all the way down mostly because of the circumstances that have happened but also just because like I'm the mug that decides to go back swimming after my first ever lesson like I went back swimming this morning yeah I woke up and I was like I have to swim I need to be in water and I love being water. Guys, I didn't know that I love being in water like that. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. I'm obsessed. Like, and I think it, it's that whole thing when I find a new thing that I like and I'm actually being okay at it. I have a thing, like, I end up being very obsessive about it. And I think it's because I'm trying to get to the stage where I'm great. <laughs> and you can't force things to happen, like, over a day like that. But I'm really enjoying it and I ended up spending like two hours in the water. Man, I had already adapted to water life, bruv. But anyway, a girl's just gonna move on to the Netflix segment. So, again, like, Netflix is doing bits. Like, can I just take this moment to, like, congratulate Netflix? Like, you guys did that like i remember back in the day like walking through the ocean shopping center and people giving out these netflix things like i see the brand this logo thing and i'm walking past you because i don't care i don't fucking care but now i'm the person that's worried when i if i can't pay my netflix bill you know like it's a problem it's so uncomfortable just knowing that I don't have the freedom to use it when I want. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm codependent to Netflix, basically. You should definitely sponsor me. I would be so happy to live my life critiquing Netflix movies and telling them which ones are great and which ones are not. I would love that. I would simply love a job like that. Netflix, I hope you're listening at some point, you know. <laughs> But anyway, so, so the first one I've been watching, Sex Education. I've noticed you're pretending to masturbate, and I was wondering if you wanted to talk about it. Oh, I wish my mum was a sex guru. So, why don't you start by telling me your earliest memory of your scrotum? Can I just say, I am so here for anything that's lgbqt supportive anything that validates that space like i'm here for it like and there's not enough there's just not enough of these storylines there's not not enough representation for all the complexities of these people so i've been thoroughly enjoying sex, sex education it's kind of like big mouth but with real people and I don't know, it feels more real because it's not as ridiculous as having this random ghost following you or this hormone, I don't know, what, what do they call them? A hormone what? A hormone something. But yeah, it's much, much different because you just get to, to see the children experiencing it and how they deal with it. I, I, saw, I say children because they're 16 
all my days I'm 26. Man's got a hell of years. <laughs> but yeah, it's um it's very insightful. Um and it's it's also got this this perspective. I feel like cancers probably get this a lot where they give advice but they don't necessarily take it for themselves. I feel like it just kind of smacks you in the face and reminds you because the, the protagonist is a, is a virgin and I know you can be a virgin and still have like sexual experiences like giving hair, blah, blah. But he's like a virgin, 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 according to society's uh, norms. He doesn't wank, he, does, he hasn't, like he hadn't got to that point where he went, oh shit, I watched the whole thing now. <laughs> yeah like me and my friend coco what yeah you know who coco is i don't see my friend coco because you know who coco is now like we we're watching it the other day and we just didn't realize like that was the last episode you know when you're just getting like yeah now it's about to start season two is going to be amazing i am waiting in complete anticipation for the next season but anyway, let's move on to number two. Number two is a fire fest. Anything. They just bought an island. Pablo Escobar's island. Oh my gosh. Ding! We're gonna throw a festival, yeah. Let me just say it. I had no idea about this. Like I've only heard it in passing in like conversation from like people on the read, like Kid Fury and Crystal. But other than that, I have never heard of Fire Festival. I've never like sorry what is this but um interesting story to say the least and you know when you're watching a car crash happening and you can see all the things that could have been done to avoid this car crash that's literally it and i think me, me and coco were debating like because coco believed um billy that's his name right yeah coco believed billy the guy that was working with Ja Rule on creating this luxurious experience for celebrities, models, for anyone that could afford it, basically. Coco felt like, you know, she kind of believed him, like he wasn't aware that all these things could happen. I feel like he was in a space of complete denial. Like, he can see what's happening. He can see what would happen. But he, I, I feel like for him to be deemed a great entrepreneur he had to come to a point where he was just in complete denial of his own reality and chose to focus on a reality that he much preferred you know it's 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 literally what i do with my own life but not to the extent where i'm now involving thousands and thousands of people and actually causing havoc and putting people in debt and shit it's an amazing story like it's interesting and I, <laughs> I remember seeing someone on Instagram saying, oh, let me go watch these white people get robbed. Some, you might want to watch it for those reasons. <laughs> it's pain as fuck, but you might want to watch it for those reasons. I, I, I think I just enjoyed watching it just to, because I had no idea that this kind of thing happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it reminded me of the time I went to like, I was going to Crossways um, Academy in Broccoli, yeah. And then I, I forgot the name of the of the event or whatever. But basically they sold the tickets and everything. People got ready. People got their outfits. Like there was a lineup. You know, DJs coming to play some music. There were coaches coming to pick us up. And then on the day 
on the day i remember i went to because to, i live like five minutes away from the college in it so i literally walked up to the college to see like you know got dressed up to see if everyone else is ready to go only to slowly find out that this event was not gonna happen like it was just not gonna happen like and i'm happy because that wasn't 40 grand worth of anything that was 15 pounds so it made me feel good about my own story <laughs> but i still got swindled so it's not cool <laughs> and number three is obviously obviously like i say obviously because it's obvious you already know you, you already know tidying up with Marie Kondo <laughs> this girl's no joke she's a fucking god I don't care what anyone says she is a god embodied she is living you know when you when I see her she represents wellness she represents love she represents peace and ease and she has found a way to trick people to focus on tidying up when the reality is she's teaching people how to find joy and how to detect what joy is as a feeling through an active thing and because you're cleaning up your whole house you're kind of mastering how to seek joy by the time you get to the final goal that's a skill you can adapt to everything in your life you know you can clean any house on top of being able to seek joy and i feel like if we go back to all these families and see what they're doing now after Marie Kondo has met them i can assure you that they have had some amazing and magical moments in their lives just because they now know how to be in the receiving mode. They now know how to receive everything that they ask for. She's teaching people step three of Abraham Hicks's lessons. Do you know how crazy that is? Like, mind blown. And every time she does that kneeling thing, oh my gosh, my whole body tingles. Like, it feels like I'm part of the prayer. I feel like I'm sandwiched right between her thought process and the things that are going to happen, the things she's going to manifest. Like, it's a delicious show to watch. I'm so proud of Netflix for just doing the most, but not really doing the most. Like, this is a show about tidying up and people adore it. Like, the reception to tidying up is a beautiful thing i don't know i just feel like we're living in a space where we're now functioning from a very heart centered space like we function from love oh what a delicious time to be alive guys but anyway that's it for netflix segment but yeah let's move on to the catch-up segment and this one actually happened last weekend. Last weekend, I woke up. And you know when you wake up and you feel eager to do something, something important, something productive, just something that means something. And because I noticed that my appetite was like all the way effed up, like it's just been mythical. When I want to eat, I treat that as like the golden hour or something. But obviously I woke up. And I was like, you know, I want to meditate. I don't even want to look at my phone right now. I'm going to meditate. So I decided to meditate. And as soon as I meditate, I was like, you know, I'm going to fast. So I started my fast. 
obviously I'm like my room is a mess and this was before actually the day before I started watching Marie Kondo I just decided to put all my stuff like it wasn't particularly one pile actually I put some stuff on the bed clear that up and then I put some stuff on the floor closer to one of the walk-in wardrobes that I have in the house and um I just kind of cleared out what I didn't want. I ended up throwing away like three bin bags. That is a lot of clothes. That is a lot of clothes. But I think in my head it was just like get rid of what you don't need so you know what you have. So that when you do start building up again, you kind of have an idea of what you do actually need first. And then you can work towards what you want. And then you can work towards <laughs> impulse buys. <laughs> but yeah. Like, obviously, I started doing the cleaning up, whatever. And throughout the cleaning process, you know, like, I have my painting over here. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, and the painting was for Serena. I was doing a commission for her and stuff like that. And, you know, I had been looking at this painting for over, I would say, two months now. Like, just consistently looking at this painting, I can just see the imperfections I can see everything that's going wrong with it I can see just no they like there's no tangible end in sight you know it's not matching with the idea that I have in my head like the whole perfectionist shit starts coming up and it comes up real hard it comes up real harsh and I was very in a very critical space with myself because I hadn't meditated consistently for such a long time like I couldn't even protect myself from myself basically so I was really critical and I was just like you know what I'm going to decide not to do this I'm going to decide to step away from art like no you can't have my time anymore like let's just be friends for now you know it it felt like so real it felt like I was breaking up with someone I was crying on my bed I was like in tears like trying to explain to Serena what I'm going through but trying to catch myself back up and just be like I, I, I want to explain what I want to say without crying through the sentence so I got my shit together explained it to her obviously we're cool so I broke up with art during the weekend last week and I feel like that's one of those things that I've never done in my whole life it feels like art has just been there like I've never allowed myself to step away from it because I've just had this stupid and obscure goal of being an artist and it's I call it stupid because it's so obscure like it's not clear like that should have been my first hint at the fact that it wasn't going to happen that way because there wasn't a clear image there wasn't a clear vision there wasn't a clear goal it was just I'm going to be an artist and everything else is going to figure itself out like I didn't I didn't even have an end goal and I think that becomes overwhelming trying to improve yourself for something that's not all the way there like it it becomes frustrating it's 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 futile I get it I could be making money from commissions and stuff I feel like now that I'm taking away the art, let, letting that go and marinate, just do its own thing whilst I do my own thing, I can 
start focusing and adding cooking into that time. I can focus on reading about cooking. I want to become a master of food. Like, that. I think, no, I know that's where my passion is. And when I think of what I want, my goals are much clearer when I think about food. Art is... It needs to take a back burner. It's a hobby. It's I truly, truly adore my ability to express in many, many mediums, in many formats. You know, but it's no. Just now, no. I'm happy to illustrate. I'm happy to sit down and paint myself. But before I can do that, I need a real good break. No more commissions. I am never going to be doing the whole, can you paint me thing? Can you? Because I'm really bad with deadlines. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let anyone down. I don't want to let myself down. Like, I hate that. I, I find it so, like, it causes me to feel more anxious. And I find that after the deadline, I work much better. And I'm just like, you know what? Let me just leave this for now. Let me just take a break and step away from it all. So I'm honoring that. I'm honoring that decision for now. <laughs> and that's where we are with that, with the art. I'm going to move on to the main event. And the main event is pretty much the title, title of this um, podcast. For those that do not follow any of my Instagrams or, I don't know, you just maybe didn't catch it. Uh, my dad passed away on Friday the 18th. He passed away in his sleep, so from 17 to the 18th, in, in between that time. He passed away in his sleep right next to my mom. It was so peaceful. You know, <laughs> it happened. It, I, I don't know what else to say. Sorry. I know I sound like super insensitive when I like do this laughing thing, but it's my nervous tick. But um, yeah, he passed away. And I felt like, you know, let's just do like a eulogy or whatever. Because, you know, I feel like I wasn't there to give him a eulogy. I wasn't present. I, I don't know if everyone's read this, but I'm actually like a refugee. Um, so I can't go back to Zimbabwe. That's a lot of people probably like, why don't you just go in and think about to him? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, that's why I can't go back to Zimbabwe. If you're a refugee, you cannot go back to the country you're seeking refuge from, etc., etc., etc. And that is also why I haven't seen my dad for 15 years because I can't go back there, you know? Um, but yeah. That's my story. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting more nervous now. But um, let me just start where it feels comfortable. Um, so to begin with, I would love to explain like letting go and just, I feel like for me to be in a position where I'm comfortable with this passing, my whole life has built me up for this. And I wanna explain it once so I don't have to keep explaining it. It's because what I'm finding to be annoying is the concern that people have for what they think is my lack of reaction. Like, <laughs> you're not me first of all. It's, you can't expect me to express grief, grieving in a, in a way that only you understand or you wanna see me howling out in tears, crying in pain. That is very sadistic. I, I, I don't, 
I genuinely want people to allow me to, to process things in a way that feels very natural and comfortable to me. And I've been doing so, you know? But everyone's just super concerned, like, are you sure you're okay? But imagine being asked that by everyone you speak to at different times, on and on. <laughs> Shut up, please. Just keep it. It's not a bit of me. Don't want questions. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like obviously I came to the country when I was 11. You guys are gonna get to know and cherish on a real, real. <laughs> but like, obviously came at the age of 11. I haven't been back to Zimbabwe ever since. I haven't seen my parents ever since. So yeah, it's, <laughs> I have learned how to love people from a distance. I have learned how to love with detachment and I feel like it's one of those karmic lessons that I really wanted to learn in this life because that's just how I function now. That's how I sometimes prefer to function with certain people just because of the boundaries that I have to create around them so that our relationship can still function, can still be what it is, what it needs to be. But like, obviously all this distance, I think at the age of 13, I've explained this story before on my Instagram, but here we go. Like at the age of 13, I was like super traumatized by just being aware to how much I miss my parents. Like, and I'm not one to, to openly feel pain. Like, so when I was young, I was just like, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna feel this way. So I'm just gonna pretend like they're dead. Like it was obviously, it sounds like a lot of resentment. And it sounds like resentment that's stemming from a fear of not seeing them again. Like, as a 13-year-old, as a child, I've always been clued up about my surroundings. I've always been aware of... <laughs> not that I used it to my advantage, but I've always been aware. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I went through that whole process of just being like, you know, I'm just going to carry on my life as if they've already passed away so you can imagine like energetically i've already had that process of my parents passing i've already grieved i've already cleansed it out of my system and now learn how to live without them so you can imagine how when i heard my father passed away it wasn't so much of oh no i've lost something no it just i felt relief i felt peace i felt like oh it was time there was a lot of closure and it's fucked up to feel to say that i find more comfort in my father's passing than when he was alive because he was set in one location but now he's everywhere you know like he's joined love energy unconditional love energy and if i need to speak to him boom bam do the wham i'm a holla you know so it's not that easy but it's not that difficult too so like my childhood you can imagine like it's just been about loving people from a distance because even when i was in zimbabwe with them my dad was always at work my mom was always at work I used to even sleep with my sister because most people even thought that she was my mom because she she was always there so it was easier to create a motherly bond with her because my mom just hard worker and whatnot you know 
they were trying to do the best for their family when they could, you know. So I ain't mad, you know. There's a lot of understanding, I think, in in my later years now. But I feel like a lot of things happened. Like I went to boarding school. I would just my life and distance have intertwined ever since birth. Like so, this is not as uncomfortable as it is for most people. And yeah, I wanted to like obviously get into my grieving process, like how I'm actually doing it. To be honest, like in my hearts of hearts, I I want to be as open as possible, just because I feel like if I give clarity now, I won't have too many questions. But honestly, feel free to ask questions. Feel free to check on me. I know a lot of my friends are concerned. Sound like I'm sick and tired of people's love. <laughs> Guys, ignore that. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like my grieving process. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so when I was young, like my introduction to death was very like abrupt in my face. It was, I'm not even gonna try and hide anything from you. I am death, and you're gonna see me. <laughs> So basically, my mum's brother—I <clears throat> share his name, Tarai—and he was like in the army. He used to play guitar. He was just like this cool guy. But then he ended up having like AIDS, and then I think my mum was obviously taking care of him. But、um, he ended up staying in one of the bedrooms, and as he was literally passing in his last moments. Silly old cute cherish decides to run into the room to go and check up on him, and now when I look back, I know I was meant to go in and check up on him. Like I can see that, but yeah, I ran into the room, and like I can see like he's you know like moving his head as if something is leaping out from his body. Like his eyes are rolling to the back of his head. It was. It was scary, but I knew that I needed to leave him alone in privacy so he could get through it. Other than being scared, <laughs> I I knew that I needed to leave the room, so I left the room and I ran off to my mum and I told her like I think Uncle is passing, or I don't know what I said obviously, but but I remember her running to the room in tears. I was fine, like I was fine. I felt maybe because I got to say goodbye, but I was fine. I've also been to my grand, my mum's mum, my grandma.、Um, I've been to her funeral again. That I was fine. Actually, I do remember crying once I got back to boarding school, and I felt like I was alone, and I was praying. But even in that prayer, I felt disconnected from the idea that death was a bad thing. Like I, I don't think I've ever really acknowledged death as being a bad thing. Huh? Interesting, Cherish. Sorry. And you know when you get epiphanies as you speak, that was an epiphany, fam. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think I've accepted death as a bad thing entirely. I think for me, death is scary just because I don't know which way I'm gonna go out. Obviously, now that he's passed, I feel like. It's much easier on our relationship, and it's so selfish when I say things like that because I'm just thinking about my siblings all around. Like, 
they feel like like they've lost something they are really hurt like something has gone away i feel like it's easier for me to spend time with my dad and like i should mention the swimming <sighs> like let me let me explain this in a way that you can like really hear me i went swimming today obviously um and on my way there i'm like it's a beautiful day it, look, it looks sunny it was warm and everything i was warm because i was wearing my fat ass coat but it was warm and then i just felt really good i was like i started thinking about my dad obviously and i was like and then i realized the more that i thought about him i felt his presence like i felt good and when i thought about feeling his presence i felt even better like when your body lights up just feeling easy like i could cry like that's how good i felt and i'm like my dad could be here right now like he's actually walking me and i'm like he never got to do this when i when he was alive i don't remember him taking me swimming i don't remember him coming to watch me play sports i can do that now and i i can feel him there now so i go swimming and i went like the first time ever i went to the deep end oh my gosh i was so proud of myself and all I could think was, my dad is watching me right now. Like, this is so exciting. Gosh, see, like my grieving process is so weird because I cry about the happy stuff. I cry about just realizing like how free my relationship with my dad is now. Like, I remember speaking to the guy who was in the next lane and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my first ever like swim to the deep end. I'm so proud. And he was talking to me and then he looked at me and was like is everything okay because i think he saw me processing all these emotions of being like my dad is present of doing accomplishing something i was so scared to do i don't know i just felt like really loved really watched really safe like gosh i'm so happy <sighs> oh my gosh Like, it's, it's the happy things that make me cry. It's not the sad things anymore. Like, even the first time I cried, I didn't cry because I heard my dad died. I cried because I realized that I could finally actually have a relationship with him. <sighs> and that's more beautiful to me. And that's, that's a much better feeling thought. That's a good feeling emotion. And if I focus on that space, my dad is going to do wonders through me. You guys should actually be very, very scared because now that I legit have my dad with me as my guardian angel, like, you know, <laughs> girl, I wouldn't mess with me. <laughs> like, I, I just wouldn't mess with me, you know. <laughs> But yeah, that's like my grieving pro my grieving process. But my dad was, regardless of age, actually, my dad lived a full life. My guy traveled. My guy worked everywhere. My guy had so many kids. Was so peaceful right till the end. Like he chose this way because he felt most comfortable. He chose to let go then 
because it was just the perfect moment. That's when he felt complete love for himself and he felt complete adoration from his wife who was right next to him, enough to let go. When we focus too much on losing the flesh, the flesh is a representation of the essence of the person. You have never lost the, per the essence. The essence is with you. The memories are part of the essence. When I think of my dad, I get, I can still remember the feeling of being around my, de my dad. It was warm. I can still remember the tone, literally the exact tone of his laugh, the different types of laughs, how he said my name, like, you know? I, I think what's, what's important for me in all of this is my dad is resting. He needs his peace, like, and I'm so happy that he did it when he was comfortable. He did it after seeing my nieces. Like, I was looking for synchronicities up just, just to see if there were certain things that happened. First thing, ever since I was young, I have always colorated the image of my dad with the moon. Something about his energy was very like, I think it's probably just feminine energy. Like he had a lot of calming, creative, feminine energy within him. And also this, this, this has nothing to do with gender, by the way. I've always thought he was the moon. Every painting that I've done, if it has, if and if it's a drawing, if it has anything to do with my dad, there is a connection to the moon somewhere, whatever it is. So this started, I think, when I was young and my dad was driving us off to, to rural areas to where my mom came from. And it just felt like the moon was following me. It just, I would hide from it sometimes and then it would just be there. And I think I found that so fascinating. And every time when I thought of my dad, I just felt like my dad is always watching me when I see the moon. When he looks at the moon, I'm looking at the moon. It was just some romantic, <laughs> over-romanticized, like a little moment basically. And obviously he passed away from the 17th to the 18th, like in between that time. I don't know exactly when, but in between that time and exactly a month ago on the 17th of December, I posted a picture of my dad speaking about um, him embracing my sister and me focusing on the on the feeling of being able to embrace my dad and using that just to to make myself feel his love again. You know, that, that synchronicity of like foreshadowing how my, I'm actually going to be functioning in this space. It felt like I was touching up on how I am dealing with the relationship, but also just what I'm going to have to do for the rest of my life since <laughs> I won't be able to actually embrace him again. That, I think, just seeing my dad on my feed, like, literally six posts before I post another one of him passing away, that, that made me feel good. That, that made me feel like I was preparing for something, you know? And I, I like to focus on the fair, airy, fairy stuff just because... It makes me feel good and the more that i believe in it the more that becomes more apparent in my life but yeah so that happened and he got buried yesterday and there was a total lunar eclipse at the time too so i don't know i just feel like there was a lot of moon things and a lot of synchronicities around my dad and 
yeah, I, I feel like that makes me feel good. I find a lot of pleasure in the things that some just won't even give a shit about, I guess. And that's okay. That's that's why most of my family wouldn't un necessarily understand how I grieve. I think I'm okay. But in moving forward, moving forward, I feel like, you know, obviously I'm going to be processing this for quite some time. It's not one of those things that's going to come all up in one day. As many people keep reminding me, honestly, I'm so mad at you people. Fuck off. I'm actually sick of being told that I'm not okay. So if I tell you I'm okay, don't go around and then tell me, no, you're not. You're not okay. I'll fuck you up. <laughs> Aggression church. <laughs> but yeah, moving forward, I will be um, speaking to my lovely, lovely therapist and healer, Aisha. <laughs> I will be speaking to her soon, very, very soon. And... I just want to see how I really am, you know, because I know I'm, I'm hoping that speaking to Aisha will help me ask some questions that I can then continue to ask myself and answer throughout life. And I know every time Aisha gives me just one gem, I can live on that for like years or decades. I'm still using things from the therapy that we did. I'm still using things from the first day of therapy, like but yeah <laughs> so that's what i will be doing just to make sure so obviously a lot of time a lot of patience with myself and if i feel like maybe therapy something i want to go back into again I'll, i i will obviously make space for that you know but for now i think this is the end of ronnie's eulogy <laughs> this this is the most casual eulogy i've ever i've ever heard in my life i don't think i've heard many eulogies and I know eulogies are normally those things that are dedicated to the person, but this was literally all about me. Oh my gosh. But yeah, for those that have some kind of concern, I will obviously be expressing every emotion that I am feeling about this topic um, on my Instagrams, with friends, with family, with Aisha. You know, like, I'm not one to willfully repress emotion. My vulnerability has made me a very strong person. So now we're going to move on to the question of the present. I feel like it's totally inappropriate to do dilemmas or mess right now. Like, it's just not right. It's not okay. <laughs> but we'll obviously do that next week because I found some really good ones, actually. But, um... A question of the present. Question of the present. Question of the present. I feel like it's going to be more of a statement just because I can see how messy my room is now. Like, is the space I'm in reflective of where my mind is? Yes, it is. My room is a fucking mess and I have no will to kind of um, actually do anything about it right now. Yesterday I did, which I should have done, but today it's just like a pigsty. So maybe after I smoke a joint, uh, I will start cleaning up before I edit this. But yeah, um, I think it's important that we start asking questions like that because feng shui is like a real thing, okay? Komono is a real thing. That's what she says, isn't it? Marie Kondo. Yes, but she's a bit of me. She's a salt. 
anyway guys if you if you're going to be speaking to me in the next week you're going to be hearing me saying she's a sore or it's a bit amazing it's all in you anyway peace out deuces and all that and i will see you next week see you next week bitches see you bye it's Gemma collins fuck you